0: What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of Speech Analysis on the Public Speaker Podcast. Excuse my voice, I am a little sick, but nonetheless, the show must go on. (laughs) Um, So, on today's speech analysis, I think we have a really good speech. It is The Dangers of Silence by Clint Smith. Um, This is a short, four-minute TED Talk, but nonetheless, very, very impactful. Um, The key takeaways from this is the use of the quote at the beginning and how that quote ultimately transitions into larger messages that Clint is trying to get at along with the journey that the audience is going on via the voice of the speaker. So this, uh, public speech was less about body movement as a vehicle to take an audience on a journey, but more about the rate and pitch and inflection and enunciation and fluency of a voice going from the ups and downs, almost like if you're in a roller coaster, going slower, going faster, to really get the audience to interact and and feel impacted by the message that Clint is trying to spread. Um, So I really like the speech. I hope you guys take away something from the speech analysis and let's get into the talk. Enjoy.
1: Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. In a 1968 speech where he reflects upon the Civil Rights Movement, states, in the end, we will remember not the words of our enemies, but the silence of our friends. As a teacher, I've internalized this message. Every day all around us, we see the consequences of silence manifest themselves in the form of discrimination, violence, genocide, and war. In the classroom, I challenge my students to explore the silences in their own lives through poetry. We work together to fill those spaces, to recognize them, to name them, to understand that they don't have to be sources of shame.
0: So let's talk a little bit about this introduction. Um, I think it's really good to bring up the quote in the beginning. Um, A lot of times public speakers will bring up a quote and then try to create uh, some impact off that quote that leads them to the larger message that they're talking about. So in this scenario, we had a quote by Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. It had a relevance to the personal experience of this individual who is a teacher and who deals with kids who um, who who are victims of people being silent. And now it's going to get into more of the depths of the speech. So that quote at the beginning was used to hook the audience's attention, get them to think. That's what ho- that's what quotes, quotes usually do, right? They really try to stick with you and impact you. And the better the quote, the more you're hooked onto listening towards what comes after the quote. Uh, and then it's going to get into the rest of the speech. So let's see where it goes from here.
1: In an effort to create a culture within my classroom where students feel safe sharing the intimacies of their own silences, I have four core principles posted on the board that sits in the front of my class, which every student signs at the beginning of the year. Read critically, write consciously, speak clearly, tell your truth. I find myself thinking a lot about that last point, tell your truth. And I realized that if I was going to ask my students to speak up, I was going to have to tell my truth and be honest with them about the times where I failed to do so. So I tell them that growing up, as a kid in a Catholic family in New Orleans, during Lent, I was always taught that the most meaningful thing one could do was to give something up, sacrifice something you typically indulge in to prove to God you understand his sanctity. I've given up soda, McDonald's, French fries, French kisses, and everything in between. But one year, I gave up speaking. Figured the most valuable thing I could sacrifice was my own voice, but it was like I hadn't realized that I had given that up a long time ago. I had spent so much of my life telling people the things they wanted to hear instead of the things they needed to. Told myself I wasn't meant to be anyone's conscience because I still had to figure out being my own, so sometimes I just wouldn't say anything.
0: What's good here is the uh, inflection of his voice, right? So it's going up when he's... Uh, getting a little faster. So the rate of his voice is increasing as is the, uh, tone of his voice and sort of the, the loudness of his voice. And then as he's going down, he's getting a lot more slower and he's pausing. So this is what we see public speakers do a lot is they'll start to go really fast, start to get really excited, get to a little bit of a climax and then slowly come back down and bring it back to earth. And that is what, uh, a lot of public speakers used to, you know, take the audience on the ups and downs of what they're talking about. Because you wouldn't say, um, I went to the ice cream and it was amazing. Right, you would say, I went to the ice cream and it was, uh, cut this part out. This is this not, this, yeah, not part. Um, because you wouldn't say, go fast. You wouldn't say a simple sentence in a way that goes up and down. Uh, you, you would say something more complex so that you would go high and then go low and then come back down. So the, the complexity of the message is rewarded or enhanced by the enunciation, the fluency, the rate, and the pitch of his voice
1: appeasing ignorance with my silence, unaware that validation doesn't need words to endorse its existence. When Christian was beat up for being gay, I put my hands in my pocket and walked with my head down as if I didn't even notice. Couldn't use my locker for weeks because the bolt on the lock reminded me of the one I had put on my lips. When the homeless man on the corner looked at me with eyes up, merely searching for an affirmation that he was worth seeing, I was more concerned with touching the screen of my apple than actually feeding him one. When the woman at the fundraising gala said, I'm so proud of you, it must be so hard Hard teaching those poor, unintelligent kids. I bit my lip because apparently we needed her money more than my students needed their dignity. We spend so much time listening to the things people are saying that we rarely pay attention to the things they don't. Silence is the residue of fear, it is feeling your flaws. Gut-wrench guillotine your tongue. It is the air retreating from your chest because it doesn't feel safe in your lungs. Silence is Rwandan genocide. Silence is Katrina. It is what you hear when there aren't enough body bags left. It is the sound after the noose is already tied. It is charring. It is chains. It is privilege. It is pain. There is no time to pick your battles when your battles have already picked you. I will not let silence wrap itself around my indecision. I will tell Christian that he is a lion, a sanctuary of bravery and brilliance. I will ask that homeless man what his name is and how his day was because sometimes all people want to be is human. I will tell that woman that my students can talk about transcendentalism like their last name was Thoreau and just because you watched one episode of The Wire doesn't mean you know anything about my kids. So this year, instead of giving something up, I will live every day as if there were a microphone tucked under my tongue, a stage on the underside of my inhibition because who has to have a soapbox when all you've ever needed is your voice. Thank you.
0: Awesome. So that was The Danger of Silence by Clint Smith. Um, I really like this speech. So... The speech had a couple of different elements to it. One, I think it was very poetic. Um, The rate and and pitch of his voice kept going up and down and up and down. And and that's something that uh, people in poetry use a lot, right? Because they're not just trying to give a public speech. They're really trying to take the audience on an emotional journey. And part of being able to affect people's emotions is is changing the way you deliver your voice, especially in poetry. So um, that element, I thought, was really good. I thought all, all of these metaphors and analogies are also fantastic. This idea of, like, a microphone tucked under your... Um, uh, under your tongue or like uh, touching your apple versus feeding an apple to someone like these things really stick with you at the end um, and they really leave an impact on the larger message all of those examples are there not to fill up his four minutes but rather to add so much value that the final thing of the speech stays with you the final message right you may not remember the apple example um, that he talked about, but, or, the, or that they talked about. But nonetheless, you're going to remember a multitude of those moments, which will help you remember the final point of this speech, which is that you shouldn't be silent, because when you're silent, you allow injustice to occur without speaking upon it in a variety of different situations. Um, so it's not really about the individual examples that I liked. It was that there were so many of them that it forces you to remember that all of them dwell down to this final point in their own nuanced, poetic way. Um, so that's what I really, really liked about the speech and you know, he's not, they're not walking around a lot. There's not a lot of body movement there, but the staying still is actually very impactful because the voice is what's taking you on the journey that their body doesn't really have to do a lot of movement to also be able to take you on that journey. Um, so nonetheless, I really liked the content of the speech. I thought there was a good final impact. I thought it leave, it left the audience most likely thinking about what the speaker said. Um, and yeah, leave your thoughts and comments and the opinions. Let me know what you guys thought. Leave a speech that you would like me to review in the comments, and hopefully it'll make the future videos. But yeah, thank you guys for watching, and I'll see you on another episode of Speech Analysis. Bye.